We all have bucket lists. As a lifelong sports fan, mine is full of tons of different sporting events and venues, from the NBA, NFL, Olympics, and beyond. However, my greatest bucket list item is something I want to share with the world and fans like me. What if you could attend a home college football game for all 130 and counting FBS programs? Seems crazy, right? Join me, your host, Bobby Wilson, as I take you along for the ride to see all the FBS venues and more. This is the TNT College Football Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the very next episode of the TNT College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Wilson. Hope everyone's doing well. Um, getting Diving into spring football and more so, I think, what people are focused on right now is the NCAA tournament. Um, exciting time of year for everyone. Um, me, myself, as a former college basketball coach, I... I and player i'm a huge huge fan of the tournament love it um just can't wait to watch the games and dive into it with that being said i will only be recording one episode per week for the next couple weeks because of that so just uh just heads up on that tonight uh plan on diving into the coach's corner segment uh hard with the university of florida and their new head coach billy napier a uh, huge, huge fan of his. Um, um, I'll give my insight on Florida and what I what I feel is going to happen there. Um, then, uh, uh, for the UConn fans that listen to my show, I, I I'm proposing. Uh, I had a little discussion on Twitter the other night uh, with some UConn fans about a potential uh, uniform change. Um, so. I'll give my thoughts into that. Uh, Coastal's Pro Day is Friday. 14 guys going to hit the field um, trying to make their pro dreams come true. There's definitely a couple guys who will hear their name called in the draft. And and uh, a couple more that could work their way into it. Then I uh, want to talk about a bizarre coaching situation. But we'll get to that shortly. But... Uh, First, let's dive into uh, Coastal's Pro Day coming up. There's, four, like I said, 14 former Chanticleers uh, going to take take the field Friday and try to raise their draft stock. Uh, I, think it's, I think it's very apparent um, that Isaiah Likely is obviously going to be a top pick. Uh, I think worst-case scenario is a third-round pick, but... First round talent, in my opinion, he's the best tight end of the draft, and his measurables and everything. At the, I mean, he showed out at the combine. Then Jeffrey Gunter is another guy. He's he's going to get drafted too, whether it's third, fourth round, whatever it may be, late late day two, early day three. Um, he will definitely hear his name called too. He had a, he had a good combine himself. A couple guys that I really feel could could work their way into the draft. Uh, running back Shamari Jones. Um, he just, I mean, you, you just look at him and he just looks like an NFL running back. Um, he's a great burst of speed with power. I, I think he's, I think he's got a really bright future. And I think another guy, um, that really sticks out when you just look at him is Cam Brown. I mean, he, I mean, he looks like an NFL wide receiver for sure. I think he's going to get a camp invite and 
maybe be a late draft pick, but somebody's going to get a steal there. And speaking of steals, whoever gets C.J. Brewer, I know I had him on the show um, in the past, is getting an absolute steal. Uh, this is a guy who multiple, multi-time All-American and uh, just really done some great things. And, and, and there's other guys here, I mean, that have a, that have a chance to get – uh, camp invites and, and stick on a practice squad or work their way into things. I mean, so really, really excited to see what the future holds for all those guys. I mean, you got Teddy Gallagher and Silas Kelly. I mean, their leadership alone has to mean something. Alex Spillum, his leadership, CJ Shrimp as a long snapper. I mean, there's, there's a lot of talented guys here that, that, uh, made Teal Nation very, very proud and uh, looking forward to seeing how uh, Friday goes for them and just what it, what it could lead to for them and their futures. And again, pulling for all those guys to, to make something happen there. Um, but now let's look into uh, the, the UConn football uh uniform situation i was discussing briefly um had like i said had a discussion with uh some people on uh on yukon twitter and uh again my partnership with sidelines yukon i always take a little bit of time every week to discuss a little bit about yukon football and uh the the discussion went around uh would jim Moore look to potentially make more of a flashy splash for the players' sake when it comes to uniforms. Um, as as we all kind of know, Randy Etzel was very blah when it came to that. Um, with, with that being said, I, I remember a few years back, I don't know when exactly it was, but UConn on the stripe of the helmet, on the very, very top, put the like husky head with the eyes uh, i i don't think they should ever go back to something that drastic uh, i i felt like those were hideous and uh difficult to look at and and i and as everybody who follows the twitter account knows i am a collector of helmets every venue every stadium i go to i buy a helmet of the home team that i'm at um just and add it to my collection so down the road i will have every fbs helmet and uh my wife will will continue to worry about where i'm going to put all these but i digress <laughs> but <clears throat> but i i really feel that that coach mora is more of a player's coach in that regard and i really think there could be a splash made when it comes to some new new uh, uniforms, new merchandise, whatever it may be. I mean, I've seen a couple things from the UConn equipment people with some new some new flashy things that look really, really good. Uh, I myself am a fan of the Block C that UConn has used in the past, and I think that that would be a really cool look. I think another cool thing would be if they implemented the state of Connecticut with the Block C and just kind of use that. Um, of course, the traditional husky head is always, I mean, it's always 
great. One of my favorites that they I loved the gray look that they had a few years back. I thought that that was tremendous. Uh, I also love, and I have this helmet personally, the white with the husky and uh, the red face mask. Big fan of that. But I, I, I just wonder if there's a way to implement the state of Connecticut with a block C. I think that would look really, really good on the helmet, on the center field, the center logo uh, at the 50-yard line. Um, just just to kind of go with and i think that you could see i don't i don't know if you're going to see like a dramatic shift in the jersey but uh i don't think it's just going to be like the regular navy blue and white i think we're going to get something else that's gonna it's gonna pop that's gonna make the players look good um it's gonna be something flashy for the guy for the players and for recruits to enjoy i like I said, I have no inside knowledge on this. It's just a discussion I've had with a couple people, and 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 I really think it's going to happen because, I mean, you see a lot of times when these new hires come in that they make make some changes like that, whether it be going away from it or going to it. And I think in this case, with Randy Etzel being so blah in the regard of the uniforms and um, the logo and whatnot. I, I really feel like Jim Moore is going to make more of a flashy splash. Um, kind of going back to his days with the Atlanta Falcons when they changed the logo with when he was coaching Mike Vick, they made it a little more flashy and everything. And everybody went out and got a Mike Vick jersey, myself included, just because it looked cool and everything. But I, I, I think I think that's coming for UConn football and. Uh, It'll be interesting to see. Like I said, I have the things that I like. I threw them out there. We'll see what they do. Um, but nonetheless, just a conversation starter there. Um, now before I dive into Florida's new football coach, Billy Napier, I, I, I have to discuss um, the, some really, really interesting <laughs> Something really interesting that occurred over the weekend between Georgia and Florida. Now, Mike White, Florida's basketball coach, Georgia let go Tom Crean on the basketball side. Then they asked Florida if they could interview Mike White. And literally five hours later, he is named the head basketball coach at Georgia. These are hated, heated rivals, especially in football. I mean, we all know what Florida and Georgia means at the landscape of college football. They play in Jacksonville every year. Uh, they've tried to go away from the world's greatest cocktail party, but we all know what it is. So it got me thinking, like, what, what if, what if Georgia or, or Florida, let's say Florida, when, uh, when they let go – their coach this this offseason what if they're like hey georgia can we interview kirby smart now i know this is this is a bad example because kirby just won a national title at georgia and all this and that and dan mullen was horrendous to end his tenure at florida to to be quite frank but but just just using it as an example here to call your rival and say hey can we interview your coach to be our next head coach 
And you're like, yeah, yeah, you, you can. What, what does that speak to you for Mike White and the University of Florida men's basketball program to where you're just like, yeah, we're willing to get rid of him. Just just take him, please, type of situation. like That, that is uh, bizarre, to say the least. Um, but it, it really just got me thinking where it was like, what if – and you're starting to see more and more of coaches leaving for another school in the conference and, and players in the transfer portal leaving a school for another school in the same conference, which to me is just beyond bizarre because it's like one year you hate that team and the next year you're on the team. Like it's just really, really weird. So it, 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 it was just like, well, what if Auburn called up Alabama and like, hey, Nick Saban, would you like to come to Auburn? Like, it, it just doesn't make any sense to me um, on both ends, on Georgia's end and Florida's end. Like, it, it just is bizarre to me. Um, I, I, I wish I knew more into the situation, but just, just a crazy, crazy situation there. So, so now let's dive into who is actually the football coach of the University of Florida now, Billy Napier. Now, like I said, I, I think this is an unbelievable hire. This is a, a man who has had amazing success at Louisiana, going 40-12, and 12, winning two Sun Belt titles. He won, he won the Sun Belt West all four years he was there. Two-time Sun Belt Coach of the Year. Honestly, could have been at all four years, realistically. <clears throat> I mean, this is a guy whose pedigree as a head coach in those four years at Louisiana is amazing. And he took over a Louisiana program that in the early to mid-2000s was not very good at all. So... Let's first just kind of look at him, his rise in the ranks. He was a quarterback at Furman. Um, then just like the staffs that he's been on have been amazing. He's been at Clemson as a GA. Then he went to South Carolina State as the quarterback coach for a year. Goes back to Clemson and is the tight end coach, recruiting coordinator. Then is promoted to offensive coordinator and the quarterback coach. Then he leaves for Alabama as an analyst there. He was on that he was part of that amazing Alabama staff that had just just unbelievable uh, Kirby Smart, Mel Tucker, um, Napier, obviously. I mean, just just such a loaded, loaded staff. Then he goes to Col he, he was at Alabama as an analyst, goes to Colorado State as the assistant head coach, quarterback coach, comes back to Alabama as the wide receiver coach for a handful of years. Goes to Arizona State for one year as the offensive coordinator and quarterback coach. Then in 2018, gets hired at Louisiana and goes 40-12, and 12, and the rest is, is history. Now he's at Florida making over $7 million a year. Um, and he's got – he's a southern guy. He's from Cookville, Tennessee, so he's from SEC country. Like this is a, this is a home run hire in my opinion. I say that, though knowing that he he's coming into a mess because Dan Mullen refused to recruit at the end of his tenure at the University of Florida, and the cupboard is bare. 
that you would think when you walk into the University of Florida that you are going to have some studs. And that's not to say that they don't have studs because they do have, they still have studs. They just don't have nearly enough. The depth is a huge, huge concern. And you saw that last year to end the season. Um, they started out 2021 pretty well. Um, beating Florida Atlantic by 21, winning at South Florida by 22. Then they played Alabama and only lost by two. They looked really good in that game. They gave Alabama all they could handle. Then they throttled Tennessee by 24. Then they lost to Kentucky by seven. I mean, that's not bad because Kentucky was very is, was good last year. Um, then they beat Vandy. They blanked them 42 to nothing. But then where it turned around after that. So you're looking at that. They are four and two at that point with their losses being to Alabama by two and then at Kentucky, who at that point, Kentucky was having a tremendous run themselves. So then, then things get hairy. They go to LSU after Coach O had been let go but was still there type of thing. And they lose, and they give up 49 points and look look really bad defensively in that game. They turn around two weeks later, get absolutely destroyed by Georgia. Then after that, they get absolutely throttled at South Carolina. And then they turn around after that and play FCS Samford and were losing for the majority of that game. Gave up 52 points to Samford, was able to pull it out and get a win. But nonetheless, then they turn around, lose at Mizzou in overtime, and then they need to beat Florida State, who was bad last year, and they only win by three. So they become bowl eligible just by <laughs> just by being better than Florida State, and they get beat pretty handily by in-state foe Central Florida. So the season was really, really bizarre for Florida. Because like I said, like they're four and two going to LSU. And you're thinking, okay, they lost to Alabama by two. They beat Tennessee pretty handily. They lose to, at Kentucky. That's a heated rivalry. Kentucky's finally better. Like that's not a bad loss. And then you turn around against LSU when they just let go their coach and lay a complete egg. And that's when things really started to spiral for Mullen and fall out of control and where the depth issues really, really came to light. And the, the lack of recruiting in, like I've talked about this many times on the show, he was asked in an interview about recruiting and he was like, we'll worry about recruiting in the offseason. Well, you're a head football coach in the SEC. You're a college coach in general. You're always recruiting. Let me just tell you that. I've been there and done it. Like, you, you are never not recruiting, ever. So it's just bizarre. So, I mean, that whole situation had to end the way that it ended. Um, then you look at they've had a lot of guys leave. but So you, so you bring in Billy Napier. And just what he brings to the table as a football coach, um, just tremendous, tremendous coach. Um, but he's got a lot of work to do. Um, 
he was able to salvage the recruiting class. Um, national ranking of 16, um, seventh in the SEC. So, I mean, I feel like he did a really good job considering the circumstance, considering where it was at um, from the recruiting standpoint. He had three guys enroll early, um, all four stars, two safeties from Florida, and then a defensive lineman from Oklahoma, and then just a lot of really, really talented players, as you would expect for an SEC program and for somebody at the level of Florida. Um, Four-star galore, and then then the rest being three stars. Um, just a lot of talented guys coming in. But the transfer portal, the guys that they were able to bring in the transfer portal are the ones I really want to focus on when it comes to the recruiting. As you would expect, he was able to pull in three of his top guys from Louisiana. Two offensive linemen who are going to be potential All-Americans. Osiris Torrance um, is an interior offensive lineman, and Cameron Waits as an offensive tackle. Both of these guys have the, especially Osiris Torrance, have the opportunity to be All-Americans next season and be high-level draft picks. These are guys that dominated in the Sun Belt and are going, in my opinion, translate and transition very well to the SEC just because they are so, so talented. I mean, Osiris Torrance is a 6'5", 330-pound guard. Then Cameron Waits is a 6'8", 372-pound tackle. Like, these guys were in the Sun Belt, just destroying the opposing defensive lines. Then the other guy that they bring in, that he brings over from Louisiana, is the reigning Sun Belt freshman of the year, Montrell Johnson, at running back. So you're adding a guy who who's had a very, very productive season, almost had 1,000 yards rushing. Like I said, he was the Sun Belt Conference freshman a year. Um, I, I think it should have been Josiah Stewart, but that's beside the point. But So you're bringing in a very, very talented player. Then they're also bringing in cornerback Jalen Kimber from Georgia, leaving Georgia a four-star to go to his rival Florida. Now, I just kind of talked about that. In the, in the last little discussion I had about Mike White and, and that whole thing. But to leave your rival and go to the other is, is interesting. Then another SEC transfer in Tyrone Truesdale from Auburn, a defensive lineman going from Auburn to Florida. Um, that'll give some immediate help on the defensive line. But I think the biggest transfer, uh, and I kind of talked about this last week in the in the SEC quarterback discussion, transfer transfer portal quarterback discussion that I had, um, is them bringing in Jack Miller from Ohio State. Um, Emory Jones is still there. Um, he was going to enter the portal. He ended up not entering it. But uh, I think... I think everybody would agree that Jack Miller is going to come in here and really give them um, what what they need. I think Florida is the type of type of team that wants, especially. I mean, Billy Napier had some real good success with like Levi Lewis and his running ability, but I think Florida has had the best success minus Tim Tebow with pro-style pocket quarterbacks. You look at um, 
just the guys that they've had um, in the past. Uh, Danny Warfel, uh, Rex Grossman, just uh, you can go down the line. Steve Spurrier, just all, all the all the guys that Spurrier coached were that way. Um, Chris Leak was that way. Um, so I think you add a guy who who is going to do those things, put him behind a very stout offensive line. Florida is always going to have athletes at receiver and running back, and and I think some good things can happen offensively the the depth is a concern defensively they lose a lot and at the end of the year they were bad defensively so you really you really question how that's going to look but like i said you need to give billy napier time and and i'll say what i think he can do there in a little bit but if you look at their upcoming schedule in 2022, it, it, it opens up fairly well. Well, I, I say that, but their first two games are very difficult. You host Utah, who is going to be a top 10 team. And then you host Kentucky, who is going to be a ranked team as well. Um, but two home games, but tough home games. Then you got South Florida, go to Tennessee. You get Eastern Washington, Mizzou, LSU, then your bye week. Then you have Georgia in Jacksonville. You go to Texas A&M, host South Carolina, go to Vandy and to Florida State. Now, there is no reason why Florida shouldn't be bowl eligible. And Florida always should be bowl eligible. Like, that shouldn't be a question. I mean, you just look at, you beat South Florida, you beat Eastern Washington, you beat Mizzou, Beat Bandy, beat Florida State. There's five wins right there. Then you just gotta. Then you got Utah, Kentucky at Tennessee, LSU, Georgia at Texas A&M, and South Carolina. So I mean, there, there's no reason why this Florida team shouldn't be bowl eligible. But there is also a scenario where you look at it and say they could start 0 and 2 with two home losses. In fact, I I, I would go out to say that. That they'll they'll lose to Utah. I, I think I, I I would go out and say that. Um, then Kentucky is always a battle. I mean, every year is a battle between those two, and the, so there is a distinct possibility that they could start the season zero and two. Then you just look at it as Florida fans and Gator Nation just don't. The sky's not falling. Like just don't don't overreact to that. Um, because it is a possibility, like I said. Now, like I said, you need to give Billy Napier time. They already have a four-star commit for the 2023 class. He's going to recruit high-level talent to the University of Florida. He's going to get them back to where Florida should be in the SEC East and nationally. I firmly believe that given time, and and with the proper support the Billy Napier can and will win a national title at the University of Florida. I firmly believe that. He is that good of a football coach. You look at what he was able to do at Louisiana and you just think if he could do that at Louisiana, why the heck can't he do it at the University of Florida? He has every resource in the world now. He's in the best state recruiting-wise. And now he's got to battle everybody for those kids. But at the same time, it's like you have 
everything. I've been there. My brother works at the University of Florida. I've been to the campus. I've seen the facilities. I've been in Ben Hill Griffin Stadium. Like it is as good as it gets. And they're upgrading things continuously because they are the University of Florida and because of what it means to play at that university. They are and have been for the longest time the cream of the crop of the SEC East. Now, Georgia has taken over that, without a doubt. And South Carolina has gotten better. Tennessee is better. Kentucky is better. But there's no reason why Florida can't be there year in and year out like they always have been. And Billy Napier is the right man for the job. Be realistic. Have realistic expectations for this first year. This first year, if you go seven and five, eight and four, you might be the third worst team in the SEC East, ahead of Vanderbilt and Mizzou. That might be the case this year, but it's down the road. But there's also the scenario where Jack Miller really pans out, and these transfers really do impact the way that the way that they very well could. And let's say you win week one against a top 10 Utah team. What does that propel Florida to then? Again, I want to be realistic, and I want the fans to be realistic. And and my brother, who, who, like I said, works at the University of Florida, is there every day. My good friend Chance Bloomhurst, who I've had on the show a couple times, he is a huge Florida Gator fan. And, and I think that they would both tell you that they're extremely optimistic about Billy Napier in this hire, and they should be, because he was the best G5 coach on the market by far, and that was, that was willing to move. Jamie Chadwell, you can throw in there as well, but Jamie Chadwell is very happy at Coastal and not going to leave. Billy Napier was ready to go from Louisiana, and this is the right man for the job. Just give it time, and like I said, give it time, and he will win a national title at the University of Florida. I firmly believe that. Well, that's the end of the show tonight, guys. Again, thank you so much for tuning in, and uh, as always, for the support. Um, like I said, for the next few weeks, I'm only going to be doing one episode a week. Hope everybody enjoys watching the NCAA tournament. I know I'll be doing the same thing. Uh, be hit, I'll be hitting up some spring games um, in April. Really looking forward to that. And uh, again, please feel uh, free to follow me personally at Coach underscore B Will on Twitter. Um, the podcast Twitter account is at TNT College Foot One. Always love interacting with everybody daily. Um, like like I said, that conversation I had with UConn football and the uniform. It, changes potentially strikes up a conversation on the podcast like that that's the type of stuff i look for want to interact with everybody and uh just have fun with this i mean that's what we're here for and especially in the off season where it's a little little down uh focuses on obviously basketball right now um then i'll turn to baseball and but but football is going to be around the corner before we know it but so uh again thanks guys for tuning in have a good night god bless